Can I pray before we jump in? Yeah, let's let's pray. Father, um, there's no one like you. Oh, God, thank you for all you've done. And thank you for this room filled with people who love you and want to worship you. Please be with me. Um, God, help me get out of the way so that you can say what you need to say. Um, Amen. Hey, if you've been tracking with us uh, for the last several weeks, we've been going through Romans. And uh, what a great book. I've enjoyed this. I have, um, I have received so much from this series and have been so encouraged by it and was so honored when Russ peeked his head in my office door and said, hey, will you preach uh, while I'm gone? And um, what an honor. I'm so thankful to do this, and I don't want to blow my shot, so here we go. Uh, so Romans, I'll be looking at, uh, at Romans chapter 12 if you've got your Bibles and you want to go there today. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament if you're new to the Bible. So if you're new to the Bible, there's two halves of the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Romans is in the New Testament. It's the sixth book, if that helps you find it. Um, But we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 here in a minute. Um, But before I do that, I have to talk about something. So um, I'm a parent, and um, I have a two-year-old, and I have another on the way. We're really excited, uh, March 14th going to have a little boy, going to name the kid Charlie. Um, I'm really excited about Charlie, okay? And uh, we didn't think about the fact that um, our daughter's name is Lucy. Uh, So we've got... Whoops, okay? We do do like Charlie Brown, but that wasn't the uh, the intention. Um, And when your last name is Utter, you you have to be very careful with that first name, Okay, and he's stuck with it for the duration of his life. Lucy gets a way out, okay, but you've got to pick that first name and give him a good one. And we thought Charlie was the one. Um, but before becoming a parent, uh, believe it or not, um, I was an expert at being a parent. Um, I knew everything there was to know. Before I was a parent, I, I was resolved to feed my hypothetical imaginary child only the, the highest nutritionally dense foods available. There would be no fast food, no, uh, no junk, lots of vegetables, no candy. Um, when it came to, to issues like play, like it's going to be, uh, it's going to be educational toys only. Okay. Lots of books. We're going to read like four or five books a day. And I would always be available to read when Lucy would come to me and ask, will you read this book? We're going to read a lot. And absolutely no television. No television. We're not going to be that family that sits on the couch and watches TV on a Saturday morning. Yeah, all those ships have sailed, okay? All those ships have sailed far, far away. In fact, they, they left the bay a long time ago, okay? Like, we, we, uh, we have broken all of these rules. She's had chicken McNuggets. She's had potato chips. She's drank chocolate milk, and we've learned chocolate milk is not good for her system um, in some weird ways. Okay, so chocolate milk, uh, no, no. And, uh, you know, we, we, 
to get her to use the potty, we, uh, we do lollipops, the dum-dum uh, suckers. Um, you know, we, we do all these things that we said we would never do. Um, and she gets a present every time she goes out with dad, okay? So, like, that's the way it goes. And, of course, you know, now screen time is a thing. And I'm walking this, this really fine line of um, how much screen time, if we're going to have screen time, how much is, is too much, um, and, and so, like, I found myself a week ago in this predicament where, you know, I've, I've had a, a, a long day, very hard day, I'm very tired, um, and, and um, we're going to need to take a break here. And I feel really guilty, and that pendulum would swing from the guilt over to, you know, the justification of it. And so, you know, when I weighed out the ratio, uh, determining that 20 minutes of screen time would be okay and wouldn't destroy too many brain cells, and ultimately she wouldn't make the dean's list, we decided, okay, we're going to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hello. Classic movie. Weird movie. Uh, really weird movie. Uh, I hadn't seen it since like the third grade. Uh, I pulled this thing up, and uh, you know we're we're watching this movie, and Lucy, I think she's into it, and um, you know, the scene, you know, after they introduce Rudolph and explain who he is, if you've never heard the song before and you've been living under a rock, you learn who Rudolph is, and then it cuts to Santa's workshop, and then we have these guys. These are the elves. And the elves love being elves. They are all about elf things. I'm going to be in the workshop. I'm going to make all these toys. And I'm going to sing and be happy. And there's nothing greater than being an elf. That's their life purpose. Rinse and repeat. And they're happy about it. But then, if you've seen this movie, you know, you look at the end of this workstation. And there's Hermie. I thought his name was Herbie. I made sure to get it right because if Todd Lloyd heard me say Herbie, he would ridicule me for the rest of my days. Okay, so Hermie is also an elf. But Hermie, poor Hermie, he doesn't look anything like the other elves. Hermie's got facial features. Hermie's got hair. Hermie has pupils. Check it out. Like, they don't even bother uh, with these other elves. I think the creators, they're like, you know what, let's just put all of our budget and creative energy into making sure Hermie has all the features that he needs to have because he's going to be in the rest of this film. But Hermie, he's, he's having a dilemma. You see, Hermie, he doesn't like being an elf. Hermie doesn't like working in Santa's workshop. Hermie doesn't like making toys. Hermie wants to be a dentist. Hermie wants to be a dentist, and I mean, I'm laughing at this. I'm like, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, and this is, and Lucy's like, what is this trash, you know? And 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 I'm I'm watching this, and I'm cracking up. And I wish I could tell you though, from from watching this movie, like I I knew how it ended, because like I said, third grade, I hadn't seen it since then. I don't remember what happens, and we only watched 20 minutes. Screen time ended, okay, and we're not going back because she's not into it. Um, so I don't remember how this movie plays out, but I like to think that Hermie became a dentist, and not just any dentist, but like the, the foremost dentist uh, in his field, 
and uh, was a world changer in his field. Um, I like to think that not only did he become a dentist, but he inspired all those other like beady-eyed elves to pursue career paths and uh, even accessorize so they all wouldn't look the same. Um, I, I, I love, that was a joke, um, but it sounds silly, um, but Russ had given me this scripture um, in Romans chapter 12, and it's, it's really dumb because when, he, when I get assigned a scripture, everything becomes an illustration, and I'm looking for something, and uh, this is where I found it. Um, and you'll understand why uh, here very shortly, but, you know, um, Hermie, he wanted just to be himself, and he wanted validation for what he wanted to be and who he was, and he was in a world in which he was unable or willing to conform. Um, if you have your Bible and you haven't gone to Romans yet, I just want to invite you to do that. Because we're about to look at this passage he gave me. But before we read those verses, I thought it would be very beneficial um, for us to, um, uh, to go back to chapter 11, the end of chapter 11. Um, why? Well, the first thing is that Russ only gave me two verses to preach on. Um, and uh, secondly, the way... Paul begins this chapter is, is very important. You see, Paul begins this chapter um, with the word therefore. Therefore. Therefore, this word, it serves as a bridge from one idea to another. It's connecting two ideas. It's a response to an idea or a thought. It's, you know, the addition of chapters and verses to Scripture, I think, is very helpful and very beneficial. But I also think sometimes it messes us up because you, know, you need to ignore them. Because if you just start with chapter 12 and you don't consider what happened beforehand, then it doesn't mean as much. So you might remember from last week, as, as, uh, as Russ was talking about chapter 11, Paul makes this amazing summation of the mercy of God. Um, please go back to chapter 11 and read along with me. I'm going to start in verse 25. Um, and Parker, will you track with me here? Uh, verse 25. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience. Here's two words. So that. Can you guys say those words with me? So that. One more time. Say it. So that. He may have mercy on them all. You know, Russ already moved through the scripture, so I can't live here very long. Um, but you may have been reading along, and 
and had different words and phrases stick out to you, maybe confuse you a little bit. Um, maybe some of the words Paul uh, is using really stand out among the others. And that's definitely the case for me because when I'm looking through this and I get to verse 29 and I read that God's gifts are and his call are irrevocable, I think, oh my goodness, this is mercy. You know, we read this description of how Israel is hardened to the gospel, but that the Gentiles are receiving it. But just as there is room at the table for all Gentiles, there is, a room, there is room at the table for all of Israel. I love this so much, this picture of mercy that no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter your nationality or where you come from or, or your race or, or whatever the case, no matter the sin, there's room for you and there's mercy for you. This teaching, what Paul already taught in chapter 8, it, it just reminds me of this. We've gone through it, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then, this is what I love, and then he couples this explanation of mercy with a beautiful, beautiful declaration of the glory of God. He says, oh, the depth of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, who has ever given to God that God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So when you think about this, this is actually really cool. Okay, I'm reading this and I and I just see like maybe some deer in headlights right now. Okay, what is he talking about? He's reading a whole lot. This is really weird. Um, but you see, we're we're getting to watch in real time Paul have a moment. Thousands of years later, we are able to watch Paul process the gospel of the gift of the mercies of God and be so moved by the heart of God and his goodness that he has to stop and give him praise. And that's what the gospel does, amen? That's what the gospel does. We are recipients of undying mercy, amen? Come on. From the heart of an omnibenevolent God, our heavenly Father, his love raises the dead. It gives sight to the blind. It breaks hearts. It changes minds. And that's why when we move into chapter 12, we have a so what moment when he says, Therefore, you've heard of these mercies, and you've heard how beautiful the Lord is. Therefore, verse 1, chapter 12, here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. God has saved us from what would be eternal despair, isolation, anguish. To me, Paul's writing here in his letter to the Romans echoes the heart of David in Psalm 30. In Psalm 30, 
David says this, oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. Oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from shale. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Our Heavenly Father has saved us in a very real way. And all God could ever want from us, very simply put, is our worship. Now, I'm the worship pastor here at this church. So, yes, definitely. Uh, When I read this phrase, true and proper worship, it definitely stands out. But God wants our worship. He wants our songs. That's why, you know, we sing this beautiful song all the time that says, all my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express my gratitude? But every song must end and you never do. And then the chorus says what? So I'll throw up my hands, come on, and praise you again and again. Let's go. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. Hallelujah, and I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, song boy. All right, Scott. Of course you would direct us to singing. But I'm not a singer. I sound horrible. It should be a crime for me to sing. And I'm not a lift holy hands kind of guy. I'm like a hand in one pocket while I hold my coffee kind of guy. Okay? Hey, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Because that's not really what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not talking about your voice. Paul's not talking about holy hands. Paul's not talking about guitar and piano. He's not talking about anything like that. What Paul's talking about is something completely different. Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So very simply, let your life be your hallelujah, right? Let your life be your hallelujah. The worship team has heard me share this story multiple times. I'm going to try not to butcher it right now because I'm nervous. Um, But I was in college, and I was in this class. I don't even remember the name of the class. Um, But it was one of those required Bible classes that I had to go to. And I'm sitting in this class, and it's like the first day. And right out of the gate, um, the, the, the teacher asks a question. He says, is all of life worship. And then he just kind of stands back with his hand on his hip like he's proud that he just asked that question. And the room gets really awkward and very quiet. And it's like, it feels like an eternity. It's probably more like 30 seconds where nobody's saying anything. And not because I'm especially smart or wise or more spiritual than anyone else in the room. It's really more that at that point, I hadn't learned to sit with silence very well. And so I just gave an emphatic, yes, all of life is worship. 
And he shot his gaze over to where I was sitting. I remember where I was sitting. And he just looks at me and he's like, he looks very pleased. Oh, I got him. And he's like, really? And he says it in an accent that I'm not going to try and emulate. Um, He says, really? Are you worshiping while you brush your teeth? And I'm like, okay, bro, you got me. Yeah, I'm probably not worshiping while I brush my teeth. And really, you know, I'm sitting there like annoyed that he asked me that. And actually, I got a little frustrated that the tuition money that I borrowed uh, was being used so that we could split hairs over a question like that. Because when we're zoomed in and we nitpick over the minute details of of a question like this, we miss out on the beautiful big concept of how much we bless the Father when we live our lives in a way that reflect Him and His nature. That is what being a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God means. And if we can do this, and if we can focus on how we use our days, our resources, our jobs, our families as a way to worship, we will walk into this worship service having already worshipped. And our Sunday morning corporate worship will just be the outpouring of it, right? So then Paul pivots to verse 2, and he says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. This version says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed. So I remember when um, Transformers hit the theaters, There were so many churches that committed copyright infringement. Um, The youth groups would use the Transformers logo for uh, for their retreats and for their camps, and then that would be the tag. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, man, I got to go to that camp. And that's okay, Um, I guess. But the illustration that comes up for me is, uh, is a little different. This is something, this is an experiment I want to show you a clip of that I learned about in grad school. I want to show you this clip. We're going to talk about it for a second. Hey, let's get some audio. We'll try again. Three, two, one, boom. The ASH experiment is one of psychology's oldest and most popular pieces of research. A volunteer is told that he's taking part in a visual perception test. What he doesn't know is that the other participants are actors and he's the only person taking part in the real test, which is actually about group conformity. Please begin. The experiment you will be taking part in today involves the perception of line length. Your task will be simply to look at the line here on the left and indicate which of the three lines on the right is equal to it in length. So, for example... The actors have been told to match the wrong lines. The volunteer will be monitored to see if he gives the correct answer or if he goes along with the opinion of the group and gives the wrong answer. In the first test, the correct answer is two. Uh, one. 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 Two. One. Once again, the correct answer is two. Three. 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 
Three. Three. The ash experiment has been repeated many times, and the results have been uh, supported again and again. We will conform to the group. Again, we're very social creatures. We're very much aware of what the people around us think. Uh, we want to be liked. We don't want to be seen to rock the boat, so we will go along with the group. Even if we don't believe what people are saying, we'll still go along. One. 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 Group dynamics is one of the most powerful forces in human psychology. Uh, one. Oh man. Okay. So a couple of things. I I love that you know he's 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 seeing the line and he knows exactly what the answer is and at first he's like you guys are all nuts. And then the second time he's like very hesitant but he's like mm, okay, it's 3. And then by the end of that video, man, they're just plowing through him, right? Like he's just like, "Yep, it's 1. Yep, it's 3." And he's just going for it. I love that. I also love like it looks like propaganda from the Dharma Initiative. And if you don't understand that reference, I can't help you. But this clip, it, it amuses me very much. And um, it's kind of sad, too. While it amuses me, it's, it's sad. Because, you see, God, God created us to be social creatures. And that's a beautiful thing. But he created us to be social creatures. And that's a very difficult thing. Right? It's very difficult. Um, from the children in this building to the oldest members we have, we all want to be a part of something. I love my friends, my family, my church. I'm, I'm 35, and I can think of so many people who have influenced me in, in some really amazing ways. But there are so many moments throughout the duration of my life so far that I regret. Um, I have memories of mistakes that I've made that if I allow the bandwidth, um, they completely rob me of joy and peace. Abby shared like that often like in the night, that's when dread comes. And I think that's the moment for me. It's like in the middle of the night, I'll have memories of just terrible, awful things that I've done because I felt like I needed to do it or I was, I was told that's what. I needed to be, and it keeps me from the hope, the peace, the joy that I could experience. And these moments of regret, um, these moments of regret are, are the moments that I want. Uh, I wanted something that God did not want from me, things that were outside of his will, moments where God says that line, that line number two is actually the correct answer, but the enemy says that it's actually line number three, and everybody else says it's line number three, and if you don't think it's line number three, well, then maybe you're wrong, and everybody else and uh, everybody else is right, and there's probably something wrong with you, bro. Um, but Paul is telling us that if you are to be a living sacrifice, if your life is going to be worship, then it's going to look a lot different than other people, and it's going to feel really uncomfortable a lot. I mean, that's the invitation that Jesus gives us, though, right? 
that's the invitation. That's what he invites us to step into. He invites us to be the, basically the opposite of what the world says that we should be. He talks about how the first shall be last. He talks about giving away your wealth. He talks about forgiving the unforgivable. He talks about silly things like turning the other cheek. That's, that's weird. Of course I'm going to deck the person if he hits me. Um, but he says don't do that. He asked things of us that are the opposite of human nature, things that are countercultural. And that's probably why Paul uses the word sacrifice in Romans 12, verse 1. Because to make a sacrifice means that you actually have to deny yourself of pleasure or convenience or status. It's costly, it hurts. Yes, I lead worship here for this church. But guess what? I'm a therapist too. And something that encourages me about the work that I do with counseling is that way back when all of these truths were being written by Paul, he was saying what's like counseling 101. He says, be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. If you'll allow me to just really quickly to jump uh, to another letter written by Paul. Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Hold up. Don't feel it. Think about these things. This verse is actually really good for me. Let me tell you why. You probably got this if you've never met me before and you've never been to this church. As I stood up and I'm like on the, on the verge of tears, okay? Like I am an emotional guy. Hello, I'm Scott and I'm very emotional. Um, I am an emotional guy, and, and I just, I feel things very quickly, and uh, sometimes I, I tend to lead with how I feel, and sometimes I don't know how I feel, and it comes out like anger, and that's weird and scary, and I'm working on it, I promise, um, but it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm very thankful for the fact, yes, there are feelers on the staff at this church, but there are also a lot of thinkers, too. A lot of people on staff here that are like, they're, they're more cerebral and, and, and cognitive, and they lead with like, what's rational here? Like, what's a good decision to make? Whereas if it were completely up to me, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling that. Let's not do that. Um, they lead more with what they think versus what they feel. And this is really good for me as I, as I think provides a wonderful and needed balance. If I make all decisions based on how I feel, I'll be up a creek. That if I'm angry and I quickly respond based on that anger, I'm going to be up a creek. That if I allow myself to become overcome with worry and anxiety about preparing a message for you today, then there would be no message at all. Feeling is good, but guess what? Thinking is really good too. So the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, think on these things, meditate on these things, allow these things to become rote memory, muscle memory, so that in times of doubt, distress, anguish, pain, depression, anxiety, loneliness, fear, when you feel the walls of the world closing in and you hear the voice of the enemy ask, well, have you tried this? 
then you will be able, as Romans 12, 2 says, to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you so much for letting me share with you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for hearing this prayer. I know you hear it because you love me and you want to hear from me. Thank you, Father, again for the space that we're sharing where we can open up a portion of your written word, learn from it, be changed by it. And I pray that today um, we would walk out of this building knowing that we can be like you when everyone else says we should look like something else. That when you say how to be, we can have confidence knowing that it's coming from a loving father. Thank you for the series that we're in. Thank you for the Advent season that we're in. And thank you for this day. Be with us until next time. Amen. Thank you so much. I hope you have a good day. Bye. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.